0: Emily Theed, author of The Last Fenestra, coming in 2022 from Wednesday Books. And
1: I'm Anna, a teacher and a writer in The Query Trenches.
0: You're listening to Basic Pitches where we, two basic pitches, break down the basics of writing and being a writer.
1: We just show up and talk and have
2: fun. Yeah, oh, sorry. <laughs> <It's-> <laughs> no, I love that you guys are opening it to like all sorts of different perspectives. So many podcasts. It's like we talk to agented and uh um, like authors with deals and that's awesome like I love hearing from people but I feel like I know so many people from different perspectives and I get like so much from people with different perspectives and it's, that ladder is so arbitrary oh that's yeah what we all right. Know? <laughs> yes right <laughs> yeah well, is this where like is. we
1: do we just start the podcast there and introduce ourselves now because that's such a very yeah, poignant thing is that the ladder is, is arbitrary yeah, sure. so we're starting our episode, and I'll introduce us. That way we can, like, keep talking about this really quickly. Hi, Emily. <laughs> hi, Anna. And hi, friend Jessica. Hello. We have Jessica James on the show today, which is exciting because we are indeed talking about, um, you know, arbitrary ladders and <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> how to deal with your feels
0: on them. Publishing makes everyone kind of think there is sort of this, like, stair step going up, but it's really more like... A roller coaster, you go up, you go down, you turn around, you spin around, and it just – it's not a clear path at all. And so when we try to draw distinctions between writers at different levels, it's it's a lot fuzzier than I think people act like it is. Right. Definitely. And I think also then it sinks in and you can never shake it. This is what I've discovered because we were just talking about how like being on podcasts, like it feels like a lot of podcasts have certain kind of expectations for who will be on it. And by all metrics, like I would now – qualify, but I still – like, I have – like, it's so baked into me now that I'm like, oh, no, I can't. I wouldn't – they wouldn't want me on their podcast because after, like, so many years of being like, well, I'm not good enough to be on that podcast now, like, I can't (laughs) – I can't get past it. And so I think that's the thing, too, Mm -hmm. is that, like, when you're querying and you're getting rejections, like, I feel like that kind of becomes a part of your writer psyche and then it's so, like – it's not, like, one day – you hit a metric and suddenly you're like, and now I'm confident and I believe in myself. Like (laughs) it just never quite works that way.
2: Yeah, I have a um, critique partner who is agented and she had reached out to our writing group and she's like, hey, who wants to do a query critique giveaway with me? And I'm like, well, I'd love to, but I'm not agented. So I'll leave it to someone else who's agented. And she's like, what do you mean, Jess? You can totally do a query critique. Like you do them for us all the time. And I had to be like, oh, okay, I do have the skills just because I'm not agented anymore doesn't mean that I'm not still like... I don't have those skills. I think it's totally. It is very.
0: It's so baked in. Oh yeah, I actually offered a query critique once. It was. It ended up being about three weeks before I did sign with my agent, but it was like I had posted just offering it because I just felt like it. And then someone, I'm pretty sure they subtweeted me, and were like, "I don't know why anyone would want to get a query critique from someone who doesn't even have an agent. Like you don't even know what they know what they're talking about." And I just like reposted, and I was I was so annoyed that I think I had just basically tweeted, and I was like, "Well." I think that you don't have to have an agent to give a queer critique, and if anyone would like one, I'll give away two now because I was just like so annoyed. Right? Like, don't. I do think that. I saw that
2: subtweet, and I think I was mad about it. Yeah. So,
0: <laughs> it's a,
2: it's awful. It's awful.
0: Also, this like, kind it's of goes with, I think I mentioned it
2: last. Oh, sorry, it's,
0: sorry. I was just saying, like, someone's giving away something for free. Like, I wasn't even asking for, for money. It was so silly. Right. Yeah. If you
1: don't want it, don't.
0: Yeah. Participate. <laughs> don't ask. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Okay? Yeah. I, so weird. Uh, it ties in from last, and I wanted to make sure I, like, give credit because uh, the comic I mentioned from last episode applies to this episode as well. And it is by um, – uh, let me make sure. It's by Catherine Bakewell. Okay. Um, and it's The Truth About Leveling Up. So I'm looking at it right now, and it's oh. according to me, Cat, And it's unagented author – and it's just, like, an anxiety goblin. You can't see this. I don't know why I'm showing it to you. Um, but it just says anxiety goblin. And then the next one says agented author, anxiety goblin, but with shades. <laughs> and then the next one is agented author with a book deal. And then, again, it's the anxiety goblin, shades, and a hat. And then, like, <laughs> so they just true. keep adding on, like, details. And it's like, that's it. Like, that's, that's all you are. Totally. Nothing separates you from Anyone else? No, definitely not.
0: And then it's like, even when you hit, you know, even when you get all your dreams come true, you know, like, which I feel like has been for me this past year, you know, getting in the span of a year and a half, I went from getting an agent to getting a book deal to now, which I guess nothing much has happened since then. But I still, like, you know, I still look at authors who, even authors that are, are the like exact same place, the book hasn't even come out yet, but maybe they got their book deal like six months ahead of me, and in my head, they're like the real authors with the book deal, because it was like, at one point in time, they had a book deal and I didn't, and so now I have to be like, Emily, stop it, Like why am I drawing boxes around people? It just, yeah, I think it just, it's natural yeah. to feel that way, but it's not real.
1: I've learned that being on this podcast, too, because there are a couple of, like, in our earlier episodes, I was like,
0: I don't know what I'm doing because
1: I'm not agented. And then, like, somewhere along the way, I was like, that's bull crap. We're all people. <laughs> We're all people writing it's books. It's not true. Yep.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think it's, it's not to underscore those achievements because, like, signing with an agent and selling your book is amazing, but I think that. Like, in the writing community, it's so easy to, like, divide who, like, counts as a real author and Mm -hmm. who doesn't. And that's when it starts to get really toxic. (sighs) Definitely.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's like they always say, the author who doesn't have an agent and then the author... Like, they get an agent, and the next day, they're not a different writer than they were two days ago. Like, Mm -mm. the metric... It's one of those like, okay, yeah, if you got an agent, then clearly you're doing something right. If you got a book deal, clearly you're doing something right. But if you don't have an agent yet, that doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. If you don't have a book deal yet, it doesn't mean it just it's not a those who have and those who don't have. It's those who have and those who hopefully will have eventually. <laughs> They're just not right. there right now. Yeah. Exactly. <sighs> a goblin's uh, a good way to think of it though, because it is a goblin. It is. It's mean. An anxiety goblin. It's a mean mean goblin.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: Oh yes, the anxiety goblin.
1: Anxiety yeah. goblins. It's so it's so on point. <laughs> so Jessica, I don't know much about like uh I've like we've been Twitter follower, like mutual? I don't know what that term actually means. Let's talk about it. I think it just um, means I you just... follow each other. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. I, I was like, yes. is there like
0: a metric there that I'm not aware of? Like, are <laughs> talking about metrics? Are we mutuals, mutuals or just sort of mutual? <laughs> Somebody's
1: like, actually, that doesn't mean anything, Anna. I, we're not friends. Um, <laughs> but can you tell me about your writing journey? Like, tell us all about your writing journey? Yeah, Like, as far absolutely. back as you want to go or as not far back as you want to go?
2: Um. Oh gosh. And I'm gonna be really self conscious because I didn't realize how often I say um until I was talking on a Zoom call. The other oh day. yeah. No, I have all of them. We all have those the little vocal ticks. It's totally cool. But yeah, I can I can go back a little bit. I um. So I started seriously pursuing publishing in 2016. I had kind of wrangled together my first draft of a book. Um, it was a YA space opera. Yay! Yeah! (laughs) Which was very fun to write, but I had no idea what I was doing. Um, I applied to a few mentorship contests in 2016, I didn't get into any of them. But a couple of the mentors from the first round of Author Mentor Match took pity on me and sent me really lovely edit letters. Oh, that's nice. And um, yeah, I, I edited to those. And then instead of applying to more mentorship contests, which I probably should have done, I just started doing Pit Mad in early 2017. <laughs> and I had a book that was easy to pitch. And it um, went really well. I got a lot of requests. But other than my first chapter, which I felt like was in good shape, I'm sure that all of the agents who read it saw that it fell apart and I didn't know what I was doing I was a baby author so I just kept querying and not revising (laughs) (laughs) I had this throw everything at a wall and see what sticks approach um, which I would not recommend looking back but I I learned Um, so I finally had an agent request an R&R so I revised to that and then I um, sent it back to her she said that it was a bad time for YA sci-fi now, six months later, so <laughs> <laughs> that was fun, and I decided to keep querying it anyway. Um, in the meantime, I had kind of created a writing group with some friends of mine, and we all started um, sharing our work, which is kind of where I really felt like I started leveling up, uh, really getting those like deep critique partner relationships. Um, and then I had another agent request an R&R <laughs> that also did not pan out, um, so... Finally, I decided to kind of shelve that book and focus on contemporary fantasy. Nice. Um, So I wrote that in late 2018 on a retreat with my writing group. I wrote like most of the first draft and I started querying that in early 2019. um, Did a few more rounds of Pit Mad, got a few more requests and nothing was panning out. So I decided I was going to shelve my book like January 1st, I sent a message to my CPs and I'm like, I'm going to try adult romance because I just need to get out of YA. I'm not connecting with anyone. Two days later, I got an email from an agent (laughs) who wanted to set up a call. Um, So, January 2020, um, I talked to her and she offered me representation. I did the whole nudge thing, ended up signing with her, didn't have any other offers. She was a newer agent, but she had really good mentorship at a really established agency, so I felt really good about um, signing with her. She had one deal under her belt at that time. Um, We did revisions. We did one major round of revision, one minor round of revision, and then we went on sub in April of 2020,
0: Um, (laughs) which I can... I'm sure you can imagine. Yep, I think I went. went on sub on like March 22nd no. of 2020. So mm-hmm. I kept thinking, well, we're just tossing it out into the void now. So yeah, yep. it was a hard time. Oh, um, so it was it was a rough time. I
2: had a few friends going on sub at the same time, and uh, a few people were getting picked up, but a lot of people were having like very little responses. We had one editor who. Um, responded with a really complimentary pass, but that's all we heard. And then in mid-June of 2020, I got the email um, that my agency was undergoing some changes Mm -hmm. and my agent was no longer at the agency and I no longer had representation. So my book was pulled from sub. Um, It wasn't my agent's fault. It was really like things that were completely out of control, but um, my book was pulled from sub and I panicked. (laughs) So Massive panic spiral. I reached out to, like, everybody I knew in the industry, um, just, like, asking for help. And I would talk to my critique group. And I decided just to query. I'm like, nobody knows what's going on with the industry right now. I'm just going to query this manuscript. It's in really good shape. I still had other people I could query now because of, like, agents who had come into the industry and moved to different agencies and stuff. So I sent a pretty aggressive round of queries. Um, I got some requests, but people were really hesitant to take on something that had been on sub. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And it was just kind of a tough genre um oh. at the time.
0: So I, I feel like it's coming I back kind of just, though. I think it's coming back. Yeah. Hold on to that. You know? I mean, even like <laughs> right. I understand why agents are hesitant when something has been on submission, but it always seems to me that it's like it's not that it's bad that it's been on submission. It's just that they don't know where it's been. Like, mm-hmm, it's one of the, yeah. it's such a black hole. They don't know if, you know, a dozen people have read it and passed on it. And they don't know if no one has read it. Like, it's just, oh, it's that yeah. kind of, like, how yeah. how does that handle? And I think also there might be the logistics of, like, if someone else initially put it on sub, then, like, if it's sold, is, like, that agent supposed to get, I don't know. But I think. I don't know. You tuck it away, you know. It still exists. It's still a book that it exists. Sound, so, yeah.
1: Yeah. It sounds like a, there's a lot of logistical red tape yes. there. That's yeah.
2: And I, I tried to be as transparent as I could, but, like, I knew a lot of that was out of my control. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I I had started a fast drafting class. I took Lindsay Eager's fast drafting class because I needed some kind of distraction. Totally.
0: <laughs> so yeah. I fast
2: drafted another contemporary fantasy. It was one that I had talked about with my agent that she had kind of greenlit um, before we parted ways. And... I couldn't get the magic system right. Oh, it's so hard. So (laughs) I was kind of muddling along with that. And then I got this wild idea for a contemporary. And if I had told myself a month before that, that I was going to write Oya Contemporary, I would have said, you're crazy. You don't write YA Contemporary. (laughs) Um, But I pitched the book to my critique group. And they're like, no, you should write this, even if it's just for you. Um, So I wrote that. And that's the book that I'm taking into the trenches right now. Oh, uh, uh-huh. good luck. Oh, so that's my, a lot. Um, that's a
0: lot. You know, a global pandemic. And here you are, like, going on sub and writing new books. And I mean, wow. M- I'm so like, impressed. <laughs> I'm so what a impressed. journey. What a, What a year. Yeah. <laughs> I think I just,
2: I'm, I mean, I have anxiety disorder already, but I think it was just like, up to 11
0: with the pandemic and everything yeah. and I
2: just needed a distraction yeah um,
0: like what a great way so. to channel that anxiety I basically channeled mine into doing nothing
1: <laughs> I was gonna say my anxiety manifests and it's like well I guess we are one with the couch now yeah. <laughs> um
2: oh there was definitely a lot of that too
0: <laughs> it's so interesting too um Jessica because actually our timelines are really similar in like almost alarmingly similar in terms of. I mean, 2016 is when I got started. Um, mm-hmm. I applied for a bunch of mentorships and did got, did not get into any of them at that point. I applied to author mentor match and did get some useful feedback. And then, like the next year is when I wrote the next thing and all of that. Um, mm-hmm. so I feel like I, which makes sense because I feel like we've also been mutuals for a while, and I always felt like there was very much like a, a similar track and stuff. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. I'm Sending you all the all the positive energy for this next round in the trenches. But thank you. Right? <laughs> Was, oh,
1: my gosh.
2: I know this is a PG podcast. It was my screw-up book. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> no, that's, mm. that's what yep. I
0: keep telling people. like, Yeah, I call it, yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> those screw-up books, they're good. They're yep. good books. When you hit that <laughs> point where you're like, you know what? Like, I've played by the rules. I've written what I thought I was supposed to. It didn't get me where I wanted to go. So I don't care anymore. I'm writing this thing. And if you don't like it, that's your own yes. fault. And there's just an energy to those books. I don't know. Yep. I love it. I love yes. it. That's we'll always see. exciting. I hope so. Oh, I hope so too. Oh man, are you
1: querying right now? Like, have you started? Yes. Hey, barely. guess what? Me too. Yeah. <laughs> Yay! We can be anxiety buddies
2: <laughs> for real.
1: <laughs> I think I'm. I'm also querying with. that. It's also really like strange. Like Emily, you said like your paths are very similar. Like, let's talk about ours because I'm pretty sure I started writing for serious. Like, this is it. This is going to happen. Mine was a paranormal, but the one that got. I finally, like, and I tried Pitch Wars for, like, two years in a row with the paranormal contemporary or whatever. Um, and then I tried young adult uh, sci-fi, sci-fi space opera.
0: <laughs> and Plus, that was see, my book. So, like, everyone says, like, oh, it's such a hard time for YA sci-fi. But, like, all <sighs> of us started by writing it. Clearly, we like it.
1: <laughs> Why? Why? I don't want to be, like, aggressive on our podcast, but I will – let someone catch my hands if they're like sci-fi doesn't sell right now like it's not that
0: i'm also uh, so this is my secret theory with part of why sci-fi is tricky now is because i think the same readership that really likes fantasy also tends to like sci-fi but i think um fantasy often relies on romance and i think a lot of times we assume that science fiction doesn't have romance which is silly but, like, it's almost just, like, we need to find a way to be, like, hey, it, like, fantasy doesn't have to have romance, obviously, neither does sci-fi, but, like, if we had a better way of being, like, this is the fantasy and this is fantasy that's not big on romance and this is fantasy that is big on romance and this is the sci-fi that is big on romance and this isn't, like, I feel like then readers would mm-hmm. find it mm-hmm. and it would do really well, but, yeah. Also, with the fact that we, cl- like, managed to make dystopia not count as sci-fi, but it is sci-fi, like, people are like, oh, I don't read sci-fi and I'm like you do though you have but though you I know you have you just don't realize it. science fiction but you
2: do yeah it's it's so true and I think publishing tried it when they put dresses on covers for like these broken stars mm-hmm. and stuff and it uh-huh. worked um, like it really worked those books yeah. did really well um, but I, I think you're totally right I think that we just assume that sci-fi means like yeah. aliens and mm-hmm. robots and no romance and it's like Yep. You can have romance with aliens and robots. Absolutely. And it's fun. Oh yeah, like, all those. <laughs> yeah,
0: back what was like the 2010s or whatever. It was like the like the matched series. There was a bunch mm-hmm. of really really popular. Um, the Delirium right. books which are also fantastic. Yeah. Oh, those were very romantic. Yeah. We just need we just need to find like a way to get the foot in the door. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, right. I think it's possible.
2: I think so. Too.
0: Well, I know it's possible. I think it's possible that it could happen sooner than later. That's what I think. Yeah, there are a
2: few with every debut class. There's always a few. And they're always great. Yeah. (laughs) Then I want more.
0: Yeah. Right? (laughs) I like to think that when there's untapped, like when there's that – demand that hasn't completely been met that it's just waiting for the right book to like blow it wide open because we all know publishing you get one really big book and suddenly they're like oh we all need the next one of those and then a trend starts all over again so yep yeah absolutely i you know so maybe i'll maybe i'll fling one out there as my option book and see if i can make it <laughs>
1: yes be that beacon for us. <laughs>
0: Sneak yeah, in. slam the door open. Yeah. Right, <laughs> like, like, shoving my elbow to the door, like, come on, guys, come Excuse with me. me. Me and my five space opera friends need to <laughs> talk. I know. We all have all these, like, you know, trunked manuscripts, like, laptops full of sci-fi books that are just waiting for their moment. But right,
2: I know so many people with a trunked space yep. opera. It's it's just true. It's
0: so true. <laughs>
2: We'll get I have there. the greatest image in my head
1: now of all of us being like, is that the one? Yeah. Is that the is that the white whale of space opera?
0: Is that the white space whale? I picture <laughs> us with like a crowbar. Like there's like all the, like the publishing powers that be behind a door and one of us is there with a the crowbar being like, come on, like, heave, let's open it. <laughs> Don't open space operas inside. And then I picture, I picture like agents and editors being like, I'd love for someone to write a blah, blah, blah sci-fi and all of us just like. Pull out our books, like done. It's been sitting here for years. It's here. Here. Like, take it, take it, take it. Here. Yeah. That's been one of the biggest things for me in realizing in publishing is I remember early on, every time I trunked a book, it just felt like this little death. And now I look at all those books and I'm like, whoo, thank goodness I just have books just waiting there. Like, and a lot of them I know I've grown out of them, but I can go back, I can revise them, I can make them into something different. I mean, I have an other world. It's kind of a science fantasy, and right now I'm honestly considering either turning it into a you know a second world fantasy, or just like adjusting it, or going back and taking everything I've learned from revising with my agent and applying it to that book and seeing what happens with it. And I love revising, so the thought of just having all the raw material already there is actually mm-hmm. like really cool because sometimes starting a new book from scratch is so daunting. So yeah, I mean I. I wish I could have told that to myself in 2016. And said, so, like, all these books that you, you think that you're burying them, you're not. You're just tucking them away for later. The raw materials will come back and be useful. So I've also stolen lines. My Pitchforks book, I actually am – that one I'm confident is never coming back. If it wasn't the right book. It won't be the right book. But so I have started going back into it and pulling little snippets, like little mini parts of scenes. And I'm just – I'm cannibalizing it and using it to help me draft my sequel – and a lot of that probably won't make it to the final draft, but it's like I ha- I have something on the page and it's making it easier for me to write it. And some of it might make it into it. So anyway, that's been a fun realization for me.
1: Hey, this episode is about um, like professional jealousy, yeah. right? Yeah. What if I'm feeling it a little bit?
0: That I'm cannibalizing a book?
1: No, that oh. you're like... At this place where you can look back and be like, I can just revisit these books. And here I am querying my screw it book. um, And (laughs) I'm like, I know it's going to feel like I'm trying to take everything that we've learned, like, from KL and from other people like Lindsay about, like, it's okay, it's fine, like – it's just passes, it's not rejections, and it's like, okay, I'm surrounding myself with all of these good feelings, people, manifesting yeah. good things. And it's like, I, I know at that. the end of the day, if it doesn't go, I'm
0: still gonna be like crying at my
1: computer. Well, being hey, like, look.
0: <laughs> <laughs> then let's let's lean in, because I was there for a very long time. And, you know, I, I don't think I'm a Susie Sunshine, but I do think I'm someone who always tried to be like, okay, it's okay, right. <laughs> here we go again. Um, but I mean I think anyone who knows me well <laughs> enough would know that there were plenty of you know, lying on the floor and screaming at the ceiling and being like, "It's not fair." Right. <laughs> so, do
2: right. it. Yeah, I I will say, like, even as recently as last week, I saw a tweet and someone's like, "There are so many X books right now," and I was like, "Oh, that's like my book." Oh, yeah. I haven't I haven't seen any other books like that. Did I write yet another unmarketable book? Like, who do I who oh do I gosh. need to figure out what else yeah. is querying right now? Oh, and no. I was like, okay, I cannot go down this
0: road. <laughs> yeah. Then there. I actually, so I scheduled one of those like 10 minute um, manuscript wishlist like critique sessions with an agent back in probably 2018. And it was like a, I think it was like a first chapter, like a query first chapter or whatever. And then you could like talk about it. And this wonderful, kind agent got on this, you know, phone call with me and was like, hey, so I feel really bad because I actually don't have anything to say. Like your query and your, like, it's really good, it's really strong. And I was like, oh. Okay. Okay. Well. Um. Thanks. And he was like, No, 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 no. Like, we can still talk. Like, we still have ten minutes. Like, what do you want to talk about? And I'm sitting there being like, Oh, but I thought we were going to talk about that. And so I was like, Well, why? Why? If it' good, no agent Juan, you know. <laughs> and he was like, Oh yeah, I've just been seeing like a lot with this concept. Like it's probably. And I was like, What? Like, cause I had thought it was the most unusual concept ever, and it was. I it was crushing. I mean, just. crushing. I mean, there was another time, if we're going to talk about things that made us bitter, there was an agent that rejected my manuscript and said, I just, you know, I don't know how to make it stand out. And I went, I spiraled, and I was like, well, if that book doesn't stand out, I thought it was so unusual, then like I should just throw in the towel and give up. I think I went to our Pitch Wars group and was like, well, it's been fun, kids. Like, I can't, if an agent can't make this one stand out, I can't write anything that's more unusual I, at least I tried. And actually, a very wonderful, now very successful New York Times bestselling author um, at that time had just sold their book, I think, um, and popped into my Twitter DMs and was like, hey, I saw your little mini meltdown. And I just wanted to say, like, a lot of people got that exact same rejection from that exact same agent. It probably actually, like, is not about your book. It's just that was just, like, their form rejection. And I thought, wow, I almost quit. Because of a form rejection, because I thought it was a literal, you know, like, this book isn't unusual enough, you know. And just to think of how often we take things, like, we take it literally, you know. If someone says, like, I didn't connect with this, we say, well, I can't write something that someone can connect with, or whatever it is. We get in that spiral, whereas, like, it was just their form rejection, or it really was personal, and, um. Right.
2: Yeah. Yeah, some of that form language is Brutal. Yes. I, I remember there's one agent who lists all of these resources for, like, how to write better queries in mm-hmm. their form rejection. And the first time I saw that, I was like, is my query really bad? Like, why did they uh-huh. include all of these resources?
0: Oh, I, 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 I got the same thing. It was like, um, sorry, like, this book isn't for me. You should probably, like, look at all the following resources. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like... This agent thinks I'm so terrible that I need like specific feedback and now I realize like this poor agent probably thinks they're being really nice that they're like, "Oh, I'm just right. trying to help people out. Like if I'm going to reject them, here's some useful websites." And yeah, mm-hmm. but that's not how we heard it. So, oof. Yeah. Ugh. I also realized now too that when agents say things like, "I don't know how to make this stand out in the market" or "I wouldn't know how to sell this," they actually often are saying, "I I don't know how to make like I don't know how to sell this. I personally do not have the connections to sell it. And so we're hearing it's not sellable. And they're they're mm-hmm. saying I'm just not the person to do this. And yes. A little phrasing would be would be helpful there.
1: <laughs> yes. I think that like is like that. It's a terrible, 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 terrible word. Subjective. Yeah. And I think yeah. that plus being unag- unagented, agented with a book deal, or agented, or whatever, like all these like rungs that, that we think we have to climb, add the subjectivity in there, add that brutal um past like rejection, whatever language, and it does kind of become like this psychological warfare you're playing with <laughs> yes. yourself because there's, you just have this little like form rejection to go off of and... I don't know. I think that's where the jealousy does come in, like where that, like those oh, bad yeah. feelings come in.
2: Yeah, because you can get that pass from an agent saying they don't know how to sell your book, and then you open up Children's Bookshelf the next day, and someone else has a book mm-hmm. with zombies. Boom. <laughs> and you can choose in that moment to decide you're going to hate that author, or you can choose to support them, because if an editor wants a book with zombies, maybe they're going to want another book with zombies. Yes. Um, I am... I picked zombies out of the ether. I've never written anything with zombies. Before. <laughs> uh, I, I like those kind of books, but I am not the writer for them. But yeah. <laughs> um, you can you can make a choice, and I think yeah. um, it's it's really easy to turn authors into enemies over really arbitrary things. But really, like that doesn't help anyone. And maybe like their their breakout zombie book will mean that yours will get picked up. Um,
0: yeah, I yes. think you know we briefly mentioned um, in one of our recent interviews the concept of toxic positivity. And I would say this is very much not that, but I almost subscribe to a philosophy of like determined positivity. And it's not like fake positivity. It's more like I realized early on that it is hard to watch people succeed at something that you really want to succeed at. And for me... One of the best ways to take the edge off of that envy and all that bitterness was to really invest in my writer friendships. Because when I care about someone, when I really, really care about them and then they succeed, it still stings, but it's also fun and exciting. And it's happy to celebrate. I'm happy to celebrate with them. And so it's like, I was going to have the bitterness. I was going to have the envy no matter what. But at least this way, there was also some joy with it. And Right. It so it can I feel like it can sound callous and it's it's not like I was like I'm going to make friends so I can feel good. It was more just like I recognized I can't escape being envious when people are going to to get things that I really want. But by surrounding myself with people that I really care about and who really care about me, at least I get to have some fun too in the meantime. And then you know in the end when I finally got to have my moments. I think those friends were so fiercely happy for me because I had stuck around for all those years and because they knew it was hard, but they, that I did it anyway. Um, mm-hmm. and I will say actually, uh, you know, my, my Pitch Wars mentee just signed with an agent about, uh, four days ago, something like that. Um, and had a similar experience, you know, she, um, did Pitch Wars in 2018, made really good friends, did not get an agent. A lot of her friends went on to get agents, book deals, you know, TV stuff, the whole thing. And it was kind of the same attitude for her of like, well, like, it's hard to watch people succeed when I'm not, but I'm not going to crawl into a cave and sit there with my grumpy feelings because that feels terrible. I'm going to be happy for them while also being envious. And so when she did Pitch Wars again, you know, this past year, and then she signed with an agent, I, you could feel the joy from people because mm-hmm. they, I think other authors recognize when fellow authors are are working really hard to be good friends and supportive friends, even when it sucks. Because we all know it sucks. <laughs> it sucks. <Yeah. laughs>
1: it was, I think, what I was thinking of was the difference between toxic positivity and what you were describing. Mm-hmm. And I think toxic positivity is like almost... When you do it to yourself, but then also push it upon other people to be like, yes. "Oh, it's like when yes. you get a rejection. It's like don't feel bad. It yeah. just means it's like I yeah. there is a space for both." And you said you can be envious mm-hmm. at the same time. Yes, supportive. So That's you can a key definitely, part of it. yeah,
0: yes. do deny no the bad feelings. You're just you're adding yeah. good feelings to the bad feelings. You're not telling yourself or anyone else that they can't feel bad. And I actually, I'm a big believer. And if you have a friend and you're close enough to them and they get something that you're envious of, I think the healthiest thing to do is to say, I'm so happy for you. I'm a little jealous, but I'm really happy for you. Like, just
2: exactly put it
0: out there. Like, you don't have to hide it. I mean, I mm-hmm. I have some really, you know, my friend, um, Ayanna Gray, uh, we both got book deals at similar times. Like, there are some things that I have had happen that she's envious of and some things that she has had happen that I'm envious And we can just talk to each other and be like, that's amazing. That's so cool. I wish I could have that too. But also, like, look at this cool thing that you have. And I think because we're being honest about it, and it's not like a big confession. It's literally just like, that's so awesome. I want that, too. Moving on. Um, Because we're not trying to hide those feelings, they don't kind of, like, fester the same way they would if we were just like, I'm only happy Mm -hmm. for you and never jealous. Like, that's just not, it's not a healthy way to operate.
1: And then you also said, uh, Jessica, that it was like this idea of it doesn't help anyone to be like, to make, actively make those decisions to be like, I hate this person or I'm negative yeah. about this thing or mm-hmm. whatever. It doesn't – it truly doesn't help. It doesn't help you. It doesn't help them. If anything, it destroys friendships. It destroys mm-hmm. those connections that you're trying to build. You're, I that's think we've such all
2: a, seen it destroy friendships. Yep. Yes. Yes.
1: yes.
0: yes. And a lot of times, too, yeah. it hurts – I think it hurts the person who is – feeling that more than the other person like if you see some author that you kind of know and you're jealous of their book deal and you get resentful of it like they still have the book deal they're still like Mm -hmm. you haven't it's not like you get to it's not like you're taking it away from them and getting it for yourself and i think that's the thing too is we often have this feeling of like there's a limited amount of good luck that can happen so if like someone else gets it it's like that was supposed to be my good luck and that's just not the way it works at all and so yeah you can sit there and just like get grumpier and grumpier, but it's not actually balancing the scales at all. It's just hurting you. Yeah, absolutely.
2: it's okay to wallow occasionally
0: too. (laughs) Yes.
2: (laughs) The wallowing is okay. Wallowing is okay. Yeah, I think, and I think there's a clear line for me that I try to keep between professional admiration and professional jealousy. Like I can, I can look at someone else's career and be like, oh, that's awesome. Like, I want to write actively in YA and adult and I really admire what this person is doing and I think that's really cool. But as soon as I'm like, but they have it, which means I can't and I'm going to resent them forever. And if I walk by their book in a bookstore, I'm going to like glare at it <laughs> and like, no, that doesn't help anyone. Yeah. That just, that just, and I think spending your emotional energy on that type of bitterness can actually affect your writing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Ooh, yes. Yes, Dana's doing golf
2: claps, golf snaps. I am. I'm like over here because
1: I don't want to actually like snap because I'm still not that great at audio editing and I'm trying not to make very loud noises because audio editing is not my strength. Uh, But yes, yes, I have learned a lot. I've gone like on like a non-writing personal journey of like emotional output and how like how much to give to people and how much to like give to myself. And like I have learned so much about Like, there's no reason to expend that emotional energy being so, you know, callous or hateful or, um, you know, jealous or whatever it is. Like, sure, have that little feeling, acknowledge that feeling, and then decide what to do with that feeling. Mm -hmm. But if you're, like, spending that time glaring at their book in the bookstore or every time you see a post by them or about them on, you know, online, you're like, I hate this person, rage Mm -hmm. at this guy. But, like, it doesn't help you. It doesn't – it just puts you in a bad place for your own – writing because i think at that point are you learning anything to move forward mm-hmm. like you're not learning anything you learn by making connections and talking with people and i don't know if you're not making connections and talking with people you're not learning
0: yeah and it's also I'm like what's your goal there. like your goal is to get published your goal isn't to like beat that person over there at getting published yes. you know what i mean like at the end of the day if you get where you're trying to go really doesn't matter if someone got there first or if it just it doesn't change your journey at all. Your journey is your own. Yeah. Yeah,
2: I think I think it's easy with those rungs on the ladder to treat the writing community like high school. Like we're all gonna graduate at the same time. Especially when people don't write
0: YA, I swear there's just something about YA authors. There's a little part of us that is still still in high still a teenager. Which is good. Yep. You need that. To, I think to be able to write really authentic YA, there has to like you have to have a really close kind of connection with your younger self, which is yes, great. But that's exactly. why I think that the Y book community gets a little more of a reputation for being high schoolish.
2: Yeah, and like we're not all gonna graduate at the same time. We're not all gonna move on. Like it's everyone's journey is so unique. It's not a straight line. I don't know anyone whose publishing journey is a straight no. line. I I don't. I if if someone is out there like good on them. Like that's awesome. <laughs> They didn't have to go through the emotional
0: turmoil of not having that straight line. Right. Well, see, I actually – see, again, this sounds like one of those things where it's like, is that a nice thing or not nice? I used to convince myself when I was still out there in the trenches, you know, watching people succeeding faster than I was, that sometimes my, like, petty little consolation to myself was, like, people like cheering for underdogs more than people who – you know, like, if you're, like, the born natural athlete – and you're always great at your sport. They don't They don't make movies about you. They make movies about Rudy. <laughs> you know, they make movies about the person yeah. that gets out there and works really hard <laughs> and stays the course and keeps going. And so sometimes when I would get really like, why is it like it's all these people are having luck so quickly and I'm out here trudging away, I would just tell myself, well, you know, people like an underdog. People are happy for an underdog. So you're just the underdog. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I'm losing it. <at>, sorry. <laughs> i to mute because I was like... you're picturing me as Rudy Rudy Rudy. I want someone to make him only (laughs) as there's my pep talk everyone who feels like an underdog I don't like underdog
1: but it's about writing and it would be the most boring (laughs) movie ever because
0: it's just it's like you
1: in a sweatshirt with your hair up in a messy bun going
0: (laughs) 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 that's pretty accurate pretty accurate for quite a while there and then you post your
1: Twitter thing where you're like, I got an agent today and then and you the, just the watch crowd the erupts and scroll.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm losing my mind. Oh, I feel like uh, I, I don't remember the end of Rudy. It wasn't like the Victor victorious part when he walks in the field but the game doesn't actually go well or something. I don't remember. I don't remember anything. Gonna... I just remember
1: Sean Astin's in it and I love Sean Astin yes, with all my heart don't and soul. Me so oh, me too.
0: Uh, so now you all know what I was saying I, to
2: myself. <laughs> No, I I,
0: think,
2: <laughs> I don't think that's a bad mindset, though, to remind yourself that, like, I mean, this this might sound so flippant, but, like, is a journey really a journey if it's a straight line? <laughs> like,
0: yeah, I, mean, like, I don't yeah. think I would appreciate, like, the things that I did finally get. I'm so thankful all the time. Like, I'm really appreciative of my agent. Like, I, I don't take her for granted. I, you know, just even, like... Just everything. Like, I think I know a lot of authors who, once they do get a book deal, it very quickly turns into, like, I don't know if my publisher is putting enough support behind me. I don't know if I'm going to get this. I'm not going to get that. Like, why does this person get to have a, you know, subscription box? And, like, I don't have that? Mm-hmm. Like, all those things that we want as authors. And I'm not going to say that I never want those things, but... I just feel like I'm much more aware of it. Like, every day I kind of wake up and I'm like, look! Like, yay! (laughs) Because I had a long time to think about it. And so once you've had a time to want something for a while, I think it just makes it easier for you to kind of roll with the punches once you get it, because it's not like the second you get that book deal, like, everything is perfect forever and ever. Um, So I do do think it helps. You know, it's that whole, like, uh, adversity makes you resilient kind of thing, which obviously is not Mm -hmm. always true, but if you can make it true, it's, it's helpful.
1: Yeah. I do like the, like, I think all of this combined together. So the, the not toxic positivity, positive outlook, Mm -hmm. right? The positive outlook of what do you do with this energy? What do you do with these bad feelings that are coming up? What do you do to help yourself and help the people around you add that into, you know, the people who try to get into a mentor contest, but can't get in. Mm -hmm. And the people who like finally get in, like, I remember just I do remember that feeling of finally getting into like pitch wars which was like I thought was the biggest thing in the world and it was great but it's like at the end of the day here I am still in the query trenches but I do remember people being very like excited for me and that yeah. was kind of like okay this is community like this is mm-hmm. I have been cheering for people and these people are here for me as well like that I don't know that was such a light bulb moment of for me of, yeah I don't know just how to how to move forward and just absorb every minute every lesson every talk like doing this podcast has been such a fun experience because i'm such a like i love hearing from everybody and i love talking to all these people and i'm like i just want to like talk and cheer and support and now i have a million people to
0: support when it's like you did a thing
1: hooray like i it's such a good feeling i don't know
0: also i don't know like again i sound like pollyanna but like also in those years when i was feeling really bummed out i would often tell myself like 10 years ago, if someone had told me that I could walk into a bookstore and be like, I know these people, like, I would have been like, that's the coolest thing ever. And so, yeah, I wanted my book on the shelf with them, and it wasn't there yet. But still, I got to walk to the bookstore and tell random strangers, like, that's my friend. I know that person. And that's cool, right. too. So, um, but yeah, I mean, if you think about it, if you let your your bitterness and your envy harness your friendships and your relationships and then finally you make that big goal and you succeed and there's no one there to cheer for you because you've burned all your bridges like that stinks so it's kind of like a selfish motivation to like not be a jerk to people is just like when you do finally get that thing you want don't you want people to be happy for you too so right let's talk about um how we handle like literally just how do you wallow I think that's a good thing too because I believe in wallowing So what's your wallow of choice when you just have, like, a crummy day or rejection? What do you do?
1: I love this question. I have to think about it.
0: I remember I once told Andrea Contos, I was like, maybe I'll just, like, tell myself, every time I get a rejection, I'll, like, get a glass of wine that night. And she was like, oh, no, honey, you're going to (laughs) die. And I was like, what? And then it was like, you know, I sent out those queries, and that first week it was just like, rejected, 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 rejected. And I was like, okay, okay, yeah, that's a good, yeah, no, that would not have been a healthy coping strategy. (laughs) Yeah,
2: I like to have really nice chocolate in the house. Nice. Um, that's kind of my my motivation when I write too. So it's like it's like, I mean, maybe I just want to eat chocolate. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <but> <laughs> Either way, you win. Not bad.
2: So it's a reward, but it's also like, okay, I need this because inevitably the rejections will come. I mean, I was I was spiraling as recently as yesterday. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I went. I had to go get my weekly my weekly safe trip to the grocery store, and I made sure that I got chocolate and ice cream. Nice. And a little bit of booze. And I'm like, okay, just like, I need these, I need these at the ready because I know what's going on. Right. Um, And it's easy to viral at any point in the
0: process. Yeah. Um, there should be like a but, querying like survival kit, like a care package that you send to people. Yeah, I'm like, oh Emily, you should have sent Anna a care package. This is me. I always think of the good idea too late and never get around to doing it. So imagine, how dare? Imagine a care package oh, arriving. Do you know what this
1: is? Do you know what this is? This would be the <laughs> wine I'd be drinking if you sent it to me.
0: Oh what? wait, <laughs> it's a good thing you have a good imagination, Anna. Oh, I'm so good. I'm so great. Someday. Someday. I,
1: I don't know if I have, I just, oh, uh, I don't know. Is that I different? am at the point, every time I get a pass or a rejection, which I'm trying to change my language because I really like that idea because I'm pass, like, yeah. I believe in my idea and I know it's like just a pass. So yeah. Like if they don't want it, it's not a rejection. Um, but every time it happens, I am in the mindset of going, welp. Two more agents are getting a query letter. Like, here you go. Like, that's my thing. And I have never been, this is a weird, like, this is my weird thing. I've never been in the space where I get of, like, any personalized rejection on a full. I've never had that before. I've had full requests before, but I've never had a personalized rejection. So I'm pretty sure that when that happens, I will more celebrate than I will anything else. Because it's like, I've never had this before. This is exciting. And then I'll cry for two days in the shower.
2: (laughs) I think that's good perspective to have, though. Because even, like, I remember when I was briefly on Sub, I got my first editor pass. And there was something nice in there. And I'm like, oh, there's something nice. Now I'm going to go be sad that I don't have a book deal. But there was something nice. like That. Taking, like, you can take the little pieces of good, even if it is a pass.
0: Yeah.
1: Yes. And I'm really trying to like, yes, I still, I'm not trying. And now I sound like the positive Pollyanna that's like, I don't actually wallow. But like, I think my wallowing, if anything, like if we were to truly wallow, it's more of like me crying in the shower for a little bit, (laughs) putting on a sweatshirt, and then promptly like going and doing some manual labor of some sort. So I'll go out and like mow the grass. Yeah, Yeah, that's my thing. So like, (laughs) Stephen's like, my husband's like... We're going to you're going to be doing a lot of yard work, right? <laughs> <laughs> Shut up,
0: <laughs> baby. I get like, really there was good a at starting the other day
1: where he's like He was like, uh, oh, I was like, I did. I went out and mowed the grass. I mowed all the grass and like I did like <laughs> our
0: driveway and stuff and he was like, "What is with you?" And I was like, "Querying." I have to check my query inbox. And he goes, oh. I'm a big believer in setting it, like, setting specific times. Like, first thing I tell querying writers is, like, turn off those alerts. Turn it off. Just turn it off. If you can take that off your phone, even better. And, like, specifically choosing when you're going to check it. Because I will never forget just, like, a 1030 on a Friday night getting that bing and being, like, there goes my weekend. Like, no. Mm. Yes.
2: I recently heard some advice that I wish I had taken and it's too late to take now, but to create a separate email yep. account for when you're querying. I did that. Mm. Yeah. big. Fan I did of not. One. And I can't now because like yeah. I've communicated with oh, agents and publishing no. people via my personal email account. Star. And I wish I had because being able to go in there certain times and check it yeah. instead of it being your like main email inbox, I think is like the best piece of advice. So if there are any querying writers listening, yeah. make a separate And you one. haven't done that yet. Yeah, That's such a good, I did
1: that after my so after my Pitch Wars one, mm-hmm. that was my first book I ever queried. And after that, I learned immediately to be like, nope, new email address. So now we have a querying That's email sorry. address. It's not on my phone. It's like I have to manually type in the password yeah. to get into it. Like I have put so many barriers. Does that stop me from checking it Ooh. more than <laughs> twice a day? No. no.
0: <laughs> but... <laughs> barrier
2: set, yes, yeah, but at least you're the choosing are when you're there. you're
0: choosing when yeah. you potentially <laughs> could get good or bad news. you're you're choosing exactly
1: mm-hmm. exactly which I think is important. Oh my gosh,
0: yeah, I was used to be really good at starting the next project, you know, because i was I'm a big believer in it wasn't just to keep moving. it's because I very much like once I fall in love with a new project, I kind of lose interest in the old one. And so it was just kind of protective to be like, oh, I have a new baby, and my baby's so cute. And it was just like, oh, you (laughs) rejected the old, whatever, like, I have a better one now. Um, But I actually did not succeed at that with the book that is now going to be my debut. And I remember being like, I'm so scared because I don't have a new baby. Like, this is still my baby. Stop. 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 Stop talking. Stop talking. Because that's where I'm at right now. And I have a transition. My transition was that I was going to say that I'm actually really proud of you for letting yourself have a break. Because that also is a very healthy thing to do. <laughs> Breaks Thanks. are so important. <laughs> they are. They are. I'm I'm really fighting against
1: that whole, I'm never going to have another idea ever no, again. you I'm will. never going to
0: have another thing no, ever. you will. You will. You will. I know it will. Like oh. gardening. Oh. You're out there gardening. Your brain is you, just going.
1: My – Please, everyone, come to my house so you can admire <laughs> my, whatever we consider are the front of our house, so you
0: can admire all these plants. Yes. <laughs> You're making things grow. I am. Making the world more beautiful. I think that's wonderful. I don't garden. Oh. I don't do outside stuff. Unless it's sitting in the shade with a book. That's all I do outside. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too pale. You know, oh. direct sunlight doesn't work for me. <laughs>
2: I normally don't, but it was just perfect timing right after I sent out my first batch of queries. uh, My husband was like, okay, we've got a bunch of rock. We need to shovel it into our... Oh, nice. I'm like, okay, put me to work. Like, (laughs) I'm great. Look at my
1: phone. Please, please occupy these hands, this brain, (laughs) this heart. (laughs) Don't be like, computer, don't know it. Have no idea.
2: Never touched a query in my life. My phone plugged in all day. Like, yeah, go. I don't even know what's going on. <laughs> Never even touching it. Have no idea what querying. Hmm? Someone wants to get a hold of me. Too bad. Oh darn! I missed your call. <laughs> I love
1: it. Love I it do. Uh, Good stuff. So. We normally end, I don't know if you want to do this, but we normally end with a pitch your book badly with our guests Mm -hmm. um, because this has been fun. And I guess we can like do our wrap up, but we'll do this first. Um, But pitch your book badly is like where you just pitch it as boringly as possible. Like, you know. um, And that way you don't have to give away
0: anything because, you know, I know a lot of us are protective of our ideas when, you know, there's something out there. But by pitching it badly, you can just leave out all the really cool stuff and you don't have to worry about someone poaching, you know.
2: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right.
0: I, okay, I kind of thought about this um,
2: because I do know that, that this is coming. Yay! <laughs> Yay! So I don't know that it's, I don't know that it's boring, but it's weird and vague. Good. Yes. Um, Bring it. So, <laughs> um, so I guess mine would be, what if Lindsay was the protagonist of season five of Gilmore Girls? but heavily filtered through a soundtrack of Taylor Swift's folklore with 100% more religious angst. <laughs> I love it.
1: Oh, no, I love it. <laughs> oh, my. This one is being queried right now. Yep. Agents, if you're listening, I don't know if they are, will you make my dreams come true and please pick up this book so I can have it? <laughs> what? Yay! I love it. Yay! Yay! Also,
0: like, way to come prepared because usually I have to, like, explain it by showing how I do I it. And I'm sure our listeners are like, oh my gosh, Emily, we've heard your bad pitch 5,000 times already. So you I saved know. them one more time. <laughs> I'm having almost an existential
1: crisis about that where it's like, <gasps> someone knew it was going to happen. Yes.
0: I know. We're not just speaking into the void, people are, are listening.
2: Like Long time listener,
0: first time yes. caller.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Emily and I right. had that discussion, uh, which I won't repeat too much of it, but we had that discussion, we just recorded an episode where we both were like, whenever people interact with the podcast on Twitter, it's like, oh, oh, we're smart. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> we, what? Hi, people are listening. Yes, for what the record, every time someone says that we them. sound
0: smart or wise or anything, we look at each other and go, who me? We're like the gif of, uh, what? what's the? Yeah. <laughs> Brian Cranston, who? Yeah. Who, who me? Me? <laughs> who, who me? <laughs> who, me? <laughs>
1: Nobody likes should be it.
0: proud because I think what you're doing is really great. Oh, thank you. Aww, we're having thanks. a lot of fun.
1: It's fun. We look. We get to talk to amazing people like you yeah, and
0: hear about these awesome you. journeys. And well, take people from being you. just this Twitter avatars. So no, thank
2: you.
0: <laughs> Sweet. Well, we will be cheering you on. This has been fun. Yes. And hopefully we'll bring you back sometime soon when you have more exciting, fun news to share because yes. we believe. Or we believe. even if you don't. Yeah. Or here, even if you
1: don't. I don't know. But I'd love to have follow-up episodes
0: of guests. Like, bring them back later. like, what's up with you now? That'd be cool. Sign me up. That sounds so fun. Yay! This is great. Bye.
1: Bye! Bye! Hey, everyone. Thank you again for listening to another episode of Basic Pitches. We super appreciate it. If you liked what you heard, we would super appreciate if you also went to iTunes and liked and subscribed to the show. It really helps us out. It helps us reach a broader audience. Um, As always, add The Last Finestra on Goodreads. It's going to be great. You're going to want it in your hands. I'll see you next time. Bye, bitches.